I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest episode where we look at some of the most recent news stories from the world of film and television. In today's show, how many more Fast and Furious movies will there be? Mortal Kombat may have found its Johnny Cage. A Lord of War sequel will bring back Nicolas Cage. And the writer's strike is keeping some upcoming movies and TV shows locked up in a cage. I enjoyed that. Uh, Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. So, Luke, how about you kick things off? What is our first movie topic? Despite reports that Fast 11 would mark the end of the franchise's long run, Vin Diesel let slip on the Fast X red carpet that the finale could now actually be a three-parter. Honestly, gotta love Vin Diesel. (laughs) And you you could almost feel the panic at Universal (laughs) when Vin Diesel is making this announcement because they had been saying outside of spin-offs like presents Hobbs and Shaw. Sure. Fast X was going to be it. Then they decided that they were going to release the movie in two parts. So you're going to have Fast X and Fast X Part 2. But then he's like saying, well, well, actually, it could be a trilogy. Honestly, if you've not seen that clip online, check it out. I mean, the the interviewer, when she realized what she had him actually saying, it was amazing. What a scoop. What a scoop. I I think this news isn't as as dramatic as, I mean, obviously it's exciting, all that kind of stuff, but when it was like, it was when X was one film and it was like treated as, hey, this is like the big bang finale, all that kind of, it was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then hearing, not that, oh, look, there's actually going to be an 11th film. It was, no, the movie is going to be, split in two it's going to be two parts and i'm thinking oh that sucks because i know i'm going to go into this movie now and sort of like when i watched you know the first part of dune it was like oh it's half a movie there's no conclusion and i will not i have seen fast x but i won't share how the movie does end and whether that's true or not but obviously the concern was ah i'm not going to get a complete movie now the fact that there's three of them it doesn't really negate that fact at all. That's still in existence. It doesn't really make it any worse, but I guess like but the thing I'm going to treat though, this more as an exciting trilogy now rather than two halves incomplete <laughs> movies. It's going to be, well, this is going to be one long story. It's totally, it's totally unnecessary. Like they didn't need to do this. Like it's not as if like the box office is slowing down for this franchise. Like they didn't need Fast X to be the final one. It reminds me a little bit how, what was it, 10 films that Tarantino said that he was going to do? <laughs> He's now got one left, but it's technically his 11th film because he did Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 that he's now considering. Yeah. Or For him, that's one film. It's one movie. I said it before on the podcast, I bought two cinema tickets for two different films, but yeah. with Fast X. They didn't need to say, anyway. They're going to find a way to keep making more, whether it's new presents, look, spin-offs, whatever it may be. Yeah, look, I'll tell you, look, if they 
if with this little trilogy that they've got going, if if they have some, you know, if they put out three really solid fun movies that are just, you know, peak the best stuff of, of Fast and Furious in these three movies, and there is almost like a, a finale type feel to it when we get to the end of this bloody, this third film now, that's going to be fun. I still won't be shocked if they then say, well, we're still going to do more, but this arc, this saga, this chapter, you know, like maybe the stuff about Dom Toretto will be concluded or the stuff about this will be, and it'll be like something new or something different or focus more on this cat. They're going to do more as long as the box office warrants. Yeah, right. Of course, if, they're going to do more. Flops, if Eleven doesn't make any money, and then they might even say, "Oh, look, that's it. I'm sure they'll still do it." But if the if Twelve is, you know, we're talking if it really fizzles, then they might be like, "Okay, let's shelve this for a bit." And I, honestly, I don't think well, I can't it see will. Happening. I can't see anything either. And you're talking about maybe moving away unless, from Dom, unless Fast X is garbage. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Fifty percent of the podcast has watched it. So anyway, moving on. I haven't seen it yet. But you're talking about maybe moving on from Dom. Is it? Vin like Diesel would let that happen. Can I share just like a? Oh no, maybe I can't. Wait. When are we? Don't share really anything. Like I think we spent can enough I share time. Anything? Ah, well, I'd rather you not. So, and I'm sure people are listening think... if they haven't seen it. Yet. No, no, no details. Just whether okay. I liked it or not. And here, full discretion, like the ninth one, I, I feel was like like the worst. <laughs> I like I really did not like the ninth film. Love the ninth one. They were driving so in space. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. Um, this this tenth one, just thumbs up for me. Like, what a ride. <laughs> like it, well, it's back, save, back. save it, save it for the That's review. What I'm, saying. I'm just saying good <laughs> stuff. It's good okay. stuff. Compared to nine. <laughs> All right, what is where are we now? Chris Hemsworth. All right, we've got a trailer for the action packed extraction two <laughs> coming. I think it's coming to Netflix in, in June. I can't remember what date flashed up on the screen. Yeah, it comes out Full in discretion in June. Yeah, look, that first film, look, it had some really cool action set pieces and stuff, which I was like, I really appreciate it. But overall, like, I just did not find that movie that good. I know, it was like, a bit of. It. Yeah, a lot of people have really, um, I've really liked it, which is which is great. But not for me. I thought it was fine for the most part. A bit of a nothing film. I did like the action, but it was action first, story second. That ending, and we can kind of talk about it because it's the start of the trailer for Extraction Two. The character was believed to be dead. You saw his reflection in the swimming pool. I just thought, oh, what is the point of that? And that's back when I watched the first one. But <laughs> because you were like, they don't need to do it, an extraction too. But they have. And it's Chris Hemsworth kicking ass with an Australian accent. There's definitely something to like about it, but we didn't even did review he, that first film. Did he have, I can't remember him having like this strong of an Aussie accent in that first film. I watched it once when it came out, so I honestly yeah, I, I can't speak to how strong his accent is, but I do distinctly remember this was him with an Aussie accent in a big action movie, and we'd only really right. seen him doing action as Thor. He wasn't Australian. He's Asgardian. It's a whole thing. But as silly as Thor has got in the MCU, 
I like seeing Hemsworth in this. I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm into it. I'm, I'm interested. This trailer is really just like I, I felt like I got no story out of it. It was it was purely like action, 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 action. Well, he's extracting, isn't he? We see him extract somebody. That's his character's yeah, thing. Sure. Tyler, he, extra- he extracts people. What I found it was like the I think it was like the first little sequence of the trailer. Like there's this I think it's like a helicopter or something. There's some some sort of flying thing, machine gun, and he's then finding cover in front of a ladder. That's like thin as like what is happening there? <laughs> he literally is like I'm maneuvering in a way to dodge this machine gun in front of a ladder. Video game I, logic, just go with it. <laughs> I'm I'm interested. <laughs> Listen, this is not a film. You need to leave your house, go to the movies, buy popcorn, drinks, whatever. Just watch it at home. Or watch something else. <laughs> or watch something else. I mean, no, hey, it's, we it's we did not we did not review that first film. We will not be reviewing this. So there you go. I thought we off. did. We did that away. I we must have spoke thoroughly at least about it. But air, now you've said that, there's a little bit of doubt that is in my mind. But I'm pretty sure we didn't. Anyway, maybe we didn't. Yeah. Well, look, if we did, find it in the feed somewhere. Don't know where it is. But maybe we didn't. So whatevs. We've got another trailer. A Megalodon absolutely devours a T-Rex in the new trailer for the Meg 2, The Trench. I really really liked that first film. And we reviewed it for the podcast. And in all honesty, I've probably watched it maybe five times. I really liked that film. I, I mean, you know, right? I'm a big Jason Statham fan. But going back to Steven Spielberg, Jaws, I like films about sharks. And this is obviously not Jaws. It's a very different thing. It's probably more Deep Blue Sea than Jaws, but giant sharks. And that first film was so bonkers and over the top and really enjoyed it. They announced announced this sequel. And it's like, what could it be? I did not, I did not expect them to open the trailer with a T Rex. I mean, come on, <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense. And again, that again, that was pretty heavy. But like the that first movie just like really just hit something. Like the it just the right. It was one. It's one of those movies that just knows what it is. It knows what it should be, and it does it really well. It's like, hey, look, we are gonna be an expensive polished looking b-grade kind of movie comedic tones some crazy action you know shark action is exactly what they delivered and it works statham is kicking ass in it there's other fun little characters there's a little dog thing looks like that dog's back in this one statham kicks a shark like kicks its head and it's like it's (laughs) things are happening there's tentacles there's other creatures i mean i i've (laughs) i've got to admit Watching this though, I think I was more excited for Meg Two before I watched this oh, trailer. Okay, which is disappointing, but I'm not gonna. I'm. It might just be that it's just put together a little bit poorly. Something about it, I'm just like, I think maybe the the crazy stupidness of what this movie is gonna be isn't really translating well in in this condensed snippet version of of the movie. I think. Maybe in full context, in full I know, but I mean, just going off the trailer. Glory. Yeah, going off the trailer. I mean, the T Rex. 
is going to open the movie. And then we're going to cut to present day. There is going to be other creatures that have been released from the trench. I mean, that's going to be a thing like other sea creatures, but it, it is going to be ridiculous. Like you've got this massive shark and Statham leaping through the air with a spear. <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, into it. Just the way this one plays, like just this, how this trailer plays out. I'm just like, by the end of it, I was just like, oh, it kind of looks really stupid <laughs> whereas whereas well, i think it's I gonna think the, the feeling yeah. i wanted was like man that looks like some dumb fun crate and i just didn't have that feeling but and how like much something... how much are they throwing at this trailer like so it's just action-packed and all you're seeing is creatures occasionally statham and other people but it's mainly the creatures like when you watch the whole film it's probably not going to be as in your face and it might not seem as and that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking like and that's what i've got hope for like i mean i'm still in i'm still in because i'm just gonna i mean mean, it's again statham sharks tick tick (laughs) i'm (laughs) i'm there i I just think but you're right though it's it looks like a very expensive b movie yes i'm into it uh bill skarsgård is joining Nicolas Cage in a sequel to Lord of War, where they will be playing father and son arms dealers. How are you feeling about many, many years later, Lord of War coming back? I've got to be honest, it's been a long time since I've seen Lord of War. It was at the cinema. I mean, that film had Jared Leto playing Nicolas Cage's character's younger brother. I remember that much. But I guess more than anything, like for me, just having Cage back, I think we can say he's back. 2013 Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance was his last studio film for a long time. Yes, he was, you know, he voiced a character, Spider Man Noir in Into the Spider Verse. But him back on the big screen is starting with Renfield. You've seen, I haven't seen yet, really looking forward to it. But just hearing things like this, that he's not just making films with the small screen anymore. Because, I mean, come on, this is going to be on the big screen. So I guess it's more Cage being back. than I'm more excited about that than Lord of War 2. But I'll check it out. Like you, yeah, you'll just essentially watch a Nick Cage movie on the big screen if it's there. But I mean, I will. Look, by the yeah. time this movie comes out, it might be pushing twenty twenty five, which would land it twenty years later from that first movie. So if they can hit that anniversary mark, you know, I'm all for the, I'm all for anniversaries when things line up. So if they can say, hey, twenty years later, we're, we're doing a sequel. It's it's fun. It's not the thing to do. But you're right. Like Nick Cage is, I think he's back. I think I'm I'm comfortable. I really hope that. so. I really, I mean, again, you have seen Renfield, whereas, you know, I'd seen those early trailers. And I'm close to seeing it next week. And just seeing the TV spots, Cage as Dracula, just hamming it up, gory, funny, looking forward. And what I'll say, what I'll say about Renfield, better than Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, and I'll leave it. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh. <laughs> Disney is developing a sequel to the 2003 body swap comedy Freaky Friday, 
with Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis attached to reprise their roles. It's been a while since I've seen a new Lindsay Lohan film. We've seen many new films with Jamie Lee Curtis, whether it be the new Halloween films, Knives Out, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like She's been around, and when she's been doing press, she has been asked about this sequel for quite a while, and Lindsay Lohan also would be asked. And Jamie Lee Curtis was the one that was very vocal about saying, yeah, she'd like to do it, because it would be mum, now Curtis's grandma, and then I guess Lohan's character's got a daughter. So, you know, there's something else they can do with the story instead of just doing the same film again, although I guess they would be, but just adding am, another generation. Look, whether they add, I mean, whether they add, again, another, like another daughter to the mix. But that would be the idea, is, because they well, had I'm, been I'm thinking, saying Curtis would be grandma. Well, I'm thinking, even if it was just the body swap being, again, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, if they just did that, it would just sort of be a bit of just like, you know, not Jamie Lee Curtis as as she's because from a looks great for her age. I'm sure she's very fit, but for the character that she'd be playing, I'm sure it'll be a case of you know like, oh look, gravity's taking its toll. I'm old. I'm blah blah blah, and then she's gonna be in the body of like you know a forty year old, and she's gonna be like, oh my god, like renewed life. And then Lindsay Lohan, as a, like a 40-year-old, is going to be like, oh, my God, I'm geriatric. What's going on? Ah, everything's shocking. All those kind of gags. So there's that. I guess if they do have that even younger character, what are they going to do? Like a three-way swap where it's like grandma's now the teenager again and or something. The, well, the, could know, be. Like, yeah, so we, we don't – we don't we, yeah, there's no – information on the story but i just think it's interesting but for me i think this is happening because jamie lee curtis has been showing support when doing interviews for you know academy award-winning films like everything everywhere all at once but this is the film you know fairly recently i think maybe late last year was you with my kids they loved it you know yeah i've got daughters age five and ten it's, you know, I mean, come on. It's not the first time they've done that movie. <laughs> I think Fred Savage did one. Jodie Foster, I mean, yeah. the original. Yeah, like this 2003 version is is definitely like a remake. Uh, and again, like a, I think there's a bit of a, there's a few there. And there's been even different interpretations of of it. It's like there was that freaky movie with Vince Vaughn and oh, Catherine so good. Like that was that was pretty fun. Honestly, you um, know the the original the original title of that film was Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. It's a shame they couldn't have kept that. But anyway, <laughs> that's a really good one. But this is the first I, one to get a sequel. I'm always up for a body swap comedy. You know, like why not? <laughs> They're always good. Um, all right, so we'll go now into sort of. Um, I guess a few like smaller news items that we can we can churn through. We'll start off with uh, this one: Chiwetel Ejiofor um, is set to co-star opposite Tom Hardy in Venom Three. We don't need to spend too much time on this. I just want to acknowledge that the cast is growing, but what's evident and what we've had in those previous Venom films, a good cast. But unfortunately, we've just not been. 
getting good films. But anyway, the cast is is growing and all they're putting I, a very good cast together. All I'll say is that if Venom technically is connected in some way to the MCU, um, Edge of Four is in the MCU as what's his name? Moldo, Moldo, Mold. something, Vega. Exactly. Connected? Not really. It isn't. They're doing yeah, their own corner. Nah, it annoys me. Still annoys me. They're doing their own. It, I mean, what was the what was the acronym? I can't even remember. Like Sony's World of Marvel. Oh, so- like it's like Spump or something. Spump. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, something like that. Something like Spump. Anyway, David Sweat is among the top contenders to play Superman in James Gunn's Superman Legacy. And we don't need to spend too much time. We're at the point now where the start of the casting, there's a lot of speculation. Nicholas Holt, they were talking about him as potentially being Superman, then Lex that Luthor. That could be really interesting. That then Superman again. We've got Emma McKay, Rachel Brosnahan, Phoebe Oinverd, Samara Weaving. They're all in the mix to play Lois Lane. So we don't know. We don't know. What Gunn has said crypto may appear and with the cast they've cast one person so far but they are an original character for the film so we're not talking jimmy olsen perry white none of those characters but what is interesting somebody asked gun about who is superman to him which is a good question because he's writing the film not just directing and there was an example from Superman the movie that he used, and I really like this. It's the moment when Superman rescues a cat from a tree, which some Snyder fans have criticised him for, for even mentioning this or referencing that because it's just a wholesome moment. There's a girl, she's in distress, her cat is in the tree, and what he's really referencing in that moment is when Christopher Reeve Superman rescues the cat, passes it to the young girl. He's smiling. You get like a corner smile. And what Gunn is saying about his take of the character is that Clark really likes being Superman. He likes helping people. So do you know what I mean? He's not going to be this like really tortured Batman type character. Like he really likes being Superman. So casting is up in the air. Could be all these different people. But I have a feeling interesting I, just to mention that. I, I reckon they've cast Superman already. I reckon because I reckon he's the center point. And if they mention, oh, look, we've cast this other person as this new character, that's then centered around. I know, but if, if, I know, but if that new character has no interaction whatsoever with Superman or Clark, then it's not that crucial to the oh, casting. I'd still. In fact, do you know the what? Type of film or the actor. Yeah. Are we thinking it's Gunn's wife or brother? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry oh, to be that guy. Of, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 review. Check it out now. We didn't even mention his wife. In we her, did not. In her minor role. But bloody hell. Bloody hell. Well, she, she's already going to be in existence because anyway it's a whole <laughs> yeah because that the suicide squad kind of universe is still going on or whatever anyway Carl urban he's in final negotiations to play johnny cage in the mortal Kombat sequel we got to the end of that that movie and there was a tease 
that Johnny Cage was was coming. Um, I kind of like this. I feel like this could this could be a good little fit. Older oh. than I thought they would go for. No offense, Carl Urban, but but yeah, Dan. Yeah, no, I think he could be a really good fit for this. But I don't know if we're looking at, I guess, having Carl Urban, who is excellent, but obviously the actor is, you know, getting older. So I guess you'd have an aging B movie action star. No, no. Mm. I think yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, Johnny Cage has always been more of like a Van Damme type, but I think yeah, Carl Urban could pull that off. But just any news about a sequel to that film, which I did really enjoy. So you know, the cast is coming together. That's good. It's it's all moving forward, which is cool. A Babylon 5 animated movie is in the works from original series creator J. Michael Straczynski. Babylon 5. Did you watch this show? I, you know what, I've got to say, no. <laughs> just a flat out. <laughs> I had a feeling um, you didn't. Whether but... it was before my time or just wasn't on my radar at the time of, like, I mean, I don't even know what decade this Babylon, was it the 90s? 90s. Was it? I Okay, sure. I grew up in a Star Trek household. So whether it was Star Trek, Space Precinct, Babylon 5, all of them were, were on, like whether I was choosing to watch them or not, if I'm honest. But Babylon 5, it's, I can also say I've not seen all episodes. I know what it is. I used to watch it when I catch it when it was on. But Shazinski had been very cryptic recently online about it potentially coming back but not really alluding to what it could be and then it was finally announced as a animated movie coming from warner brothers animation cool all right we've got some casting news also for beetlejuice 2 as filming begins willem dafoe now we've got him joining the returning michael keaton winona Ryder, the recently announced Jenna Ortega, Catherine, ha- Catherine O'Hara, Justin Theroux, and Monica Bellucci. Monica Bellucci, she's going to be playing Beetlejuice's wife, which is pretty interesting. We don't know too much more about the new cast members, but we do know that about her. But I was looking, right? I think it was like a news show that we did in March, and we we're talking about how. Jenna Ortega had been cast as the daughter of Lydia in Beetlejuice 2 when we did this whole thing. And then like a week ago, they just announced that she'd officially joined the cast. All oh, right. So, you know, it's one of those things yeah. where you get like an announcement and they're just confirming what everybody knows already. Exactly. But the other is- additions to the cast were definitely worth noting. Some big stuff. All right. Well, that wraps up our movie news. So, Let's just get straight into, as we do, TV news. Strikers from the Writers Guild of America picketed outside the production of Daredevil Born Again and crew members reportedly refused to cross the picket line. Now, we don't need to spend too much time on this, but obviously it is a very big thing that is happening in the US at the moment, but it is causing the Daredevil Born Again show to be delayed. I mean, this is just one of, of, of many things. Like, I'm, look, I'm getting flashbacks to 2007, which might have resulted in some of the uh, 
one of the worst seasons in television. Mate, <laughs> Heroes oh, season two. Heroes. <laughs> That's the one of the the biggest casualties. Oh, quant- uh, the James Bond movie, Quantum of Solace, where That's like, another lines one. were just getting rewritten by Daniel Craig on the set because no one else could. Um, all sorts, like some of the shortest, crappiest seasons of television back then. Um, that all got resolved eventually. Hopefully this doesn't play out too long, but obviously it's a very important thing, um, but we don't need to get into it. But look, they're, they're doing what needs to be done and everyone should be paid accordingly and appropriately. So hopefully it doesn't affect too much. But of course, there's many things that literally production had to halt because sometimes writers uh, haven't finished what, they're, what they need to be doing. If something was ready to get into production, writers need to be there to make adjustments or even as a residual sort of effect like this thing with um, Daredevil Born Again, it's not even the fact that the writers aren't there doing something. It's it's the actual logistics of the strikers calling, causing this sort of, sort of That's uh, it. And it's hap- yeah. And as you say, it's stopping many productions, but it's... It's a big thing. I mean, because everything's changed. You know, there was COVID, streaming, everything. So, like, what was put in place, what maybe works then, it doesn't work now. And it's credit where it's credit's due. You can have the best actor in the world, shit dialogue. What can they do with that, really? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, it's like, pay the writers their worth. Now, for me, selfishly, like, I've got to be honest. I'm so far behind on a lot of TV because there is just so much of it. <laughs> Maybe now I can catch up because we've got wow. a feeling. <laughs> I've got a feeling. No, I mean, hey, no, no, no. I, I want them to be able to use this time what is it? What is it? Yeah. to to get what what's for the, what they deserve. But for hey, me personally, line, right? a, yes, absolutely. And hey, yeah. when when they're back writing and getting paid what they're worth, I'll watch that. But in the meantime. I'm thinking we're going to get more reality shows. I don't need them. I could oh, just no, catch no up on all the great telly. I've not found time to but watch. Some, some of the big hitters, um, from immediately as this started kicking off, it was like straight out there, like, no, we need to we need to halt uh, Stranger Things, which potentially could be the final season of Stranger Things. Um, you know, delayed Yellow Jackets. I'm a big fan of the next season. Suddenly all production has stopped on producing that next season. Um Cobra Kai again, the the next and final season of Cobra Kai delayed. Well, I feel like we we're already going to wait a long time. Oh no! Anyway, no way all the, all oh. the kids are going to be grown ups, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the concern. It's these Stranger Things, Cobra Kai, like they're all going to be aged. I mean, it's uh, obviously it's an extreme thing that they're doing, but unfortunately, it's one that they have to do. But anyway, we've uh, I think we we spent time time on that. We we did. Um, now, Loki, already done, already made, put together the project doing post-production stuff. No more writing required. So we've got an official return date um, for season two of Loki, October 6, 2023, on Disney+, of course. Every episode of Echo will drop November 29th this year on Disney+. They're saying drop. I'm, I'm hearing dumped. <laughs> This is a different thing for them. Because ordinarily, Marvel, Star Wars shows, they release them weekly. 
for the first time we've Echo the like one day have it all. And this like, is the spin off from Hawkeye. Yeah, like, yeah. But even look outside of Star Wars and, and Marvel, I mean, most of the new Disney Plus shows are week to week. It's very unlike them. I can't even think of an, an example. You know, like Mighty Ducks Game Changes. Hell, How I Met Your Father, whatever. Yeah, the, that one. <laughs> All weekly kind of things. Like there's The Simpsons, weekly. Everything is weekly yeah. drop. Great. This, feel, this, feels, this feels like <laughs> this is, a dump. Is, uh, I mean, if I asked you straight, how excited are you? How anticipated or how much anticipation do you have for Echo, the TV series Echo? Well, to answer your question, not much excitement for it, but there will I go, watch it? Go. I mean, but I will. But if I'm honest, having access to all of it on the same day, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to watch it quicker. At least if it was weekly, I would be more inclined to keep it today. I mean, it I'm could surprise weird. us. It could be really good. I'm pretty weird when it comes to this because, look, I know we've talked about the science behind like dropping something week by week and having that momentum, that weight, revving up, you know, engagement and getting people talking about it, water cooler, you know, things each week, driving up the the people, the, the viewers. And then, like, some people obviously love binging and they're like, look, as a consumer, I just want to binge, get it over with. doesn't work for everyone. For me, I'm like, hey, look, week by week gives me a time to digest what I've watched. Hey, sometimes it sucks because I'm like, I want to watch the next episode. But then I get excited in anticipation. Again, having those conversations. What I've found is that when stuff is dropped, now there's rare exceptions like Stranger Things, for example, it'll be like we will set aside a weekend and we will watch this. Um, things like that, you know, like Cobra Kai drops. I'm like, we are watching all of this. But a lot of other shows, they dump all at not dump, but they drop all at once. <laughs> and it's off-putting. There's something about it that's off-putting. And then there's like, you know, my friends or yourself, you know, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm watching it. It's done. And I'm like, ah, oh, everyone's watched it already. Now it's been two weeks and I'm still on the first episode. And then I'm like, ah, oh, it's done. No one's talking about it anymore. And I feel, I don't know, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, when they dump it all at once, I'm like, hey, Meh, I just passed by it. Lots of good shows I've literally left slip by because they've just dropped it and I've uh, that the moment's passed. Okay, I'm, firstly, I'm firstly, <laughs> the fact that you put me in a separate category to your friends, that's absolutely fine. No, no, no. But with no, no, no. I mean friends and then no, it was inclusive. It was inclusive. Anyway, it came to my where we go? I feel that's like... okay. I it's okay. I understand. All right. With All the right. release of a show like Star Trek Picard weekly honestly the excitement from week to week and season three was phenomenal but just having it released as a weekly series it was, was just good, excellent in your hand yeah. that water cooler moment like it was brilliant and you know fans were speculating like online what could this mean what's going to happen next and that's that's the better way to do it. And that's what they're doing with Loki Season 2. It is not what they're doing with Echo. They want to go, here, take it. I hope you like it. So we'll just have to... I mean, it, 
yeah, like, obviously is... bringing it back to bringing it back to Echo, it is very much like they've got no faith in it. It feels like they are just doing a let's just like let's just get it. It's a here. weird thing because I really enjoyed Hawkeye. It was a good show. If they were gonna do a Kate Bishop spin-off. Yeah, okay, cool. Because they've set her up. She's a, been a sidekick. Yeah. But it's no, we've got this other side character. Which one? No, not that one. The other one. This one? No, the other one. Oh, Echo. Yeah, you, she's going to get a whole show. Do you remember what her like actual character's name is Like besides Echo? I just know it was Echo. But again, like in the comics, she's <laughs> a Daredevil character. I just know it was a Daredevil character. She's Echo. Yeah. But you're right, at least with Kate Bishop, it's like Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, you've got a a big name in, this doesn't help my case, but... uh, Hayley Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yep. (laughs) Mind blank is different from not knowing the person. Um, Like, there's something there. Enjoyable character people seem to have liked it, which is great. It could, yeah, I don't know. But look, again, another point of view, like, if they had... If they do release Echo as week by week, as like, what's the harm? Like, it's not going to cost them any different. It's not that it, the show's already been made; it's done. What's really different? Maybe they're using this as an experiment to see, hey, if we do drop, what what numbers? So in that way, maybe they're doing a bit of a write-off just to be like, look, if we're going to experiment with one of them, let's do it with this. Let's see what kind of different results we get. Is it a big splash? Do we get really big numbers straight off the bat? People commit to it or whatever. I know, but if if you're involved in the Echo Show, do you want to be that experiment? <laughs> but I mean, just looking <laughs> no. at the dates again. So if we've got Loki as a weekly show from 6th of October, Echo 29th of November, it's pretty much December. And Disney Plus is going to have its you know Christmas content lined up. Maybe some more Marvel specials. You know, we've got the Guardians Christmas special. Maybe they're doing something similar. Maybe they just looked at the schedule and the only way they could release it was by but do you, dropping but do you know what? on the same day. There's no schedule. It's not like network television where it's like there's only a single time. It kind of is, though. It's not network, you but you jump. don't. You don't get over. I mean, no, there's still a skill and a craft and a strategy and stuff, but releasing something and releasing something else is not going to be the end of the world. It's not like, oh, we don't have the bandwidth to do it. It's like, it's not a thing. It's not. You know, honestly, I I can't get over how much mileage we've just got out of these two release dates. That's literally the news. (laughs) Technically, they're two stories. So. Oh yeah, that. true. But you know what? You're right. Let's move on. Sweet Tooth has been renewed for a third and final season by Netflix. Watched and enjoyed that first season. Second season, it's been out for a few weeks now. Haven't started it yet. But okay. Did but they, they drop it all at once. Did they, they did because it? it's Netflix. Yeah, it's Netflix. <laughs> it's, that's their that's their model. I remember Netflix first being announced because although vertigo comics like it was like in-house at dc comics so the whole thing with sweet tooth it was a dc property an executive producer robert down jr and not mm. long after finishing with marvel 
that have been interesting at the time. But strong first season, need to get to the second season. But I think that's probably enough. Like, you know, three full seasons to tell tell their story. That's pretty good for, for Netflix. <laughs> it is because, like, you have two seasons and that's it. Or one. I, was like, I feel like three seasons is really decent. And then, like, four seasons is like, wow. That was a heavy hitter. <laughs> That's Netflix success. Keeping it Netflix, Masters of the Universe Revolution adds Meg Foster as the voice of Motherboard, the ancient sorceress of technology. Foster previously played Evil Lynn in the live action Masters of the Universe film from 1987. This is the Kevin Smith He Man animated series. Really enjoyed that first season, which is a sequel to the original cartoon from the 80s. Great cast, great animation. It's a lot of fun. And you got some great voice actors in that first season. And just getting Meg Foster. I mean, I can't even think what she's done recently, but it's really good that they've got her back. As a different character, obviously. Sure. I... I... I got mu- not much to say. <laughs> Have you? Did you watch it? Revolution, the first season. I didn't. I actually um, it's really good. It honestly, like it, it is really good. The late, the late Kevin Conroy is in there. Mark right. Hamill, Sam Shell Geller, such a great boys cast. That is a fantastic boys cast. Like that's honestly, Emma and Sam Shell Geller. Like, that's great. That's- the cast is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, but Meg Foster, she's back. All right. Look, that will do it for all of the news story bits that we've got. Um, but we've got some recommends for you, as always. And if you would like to go first, you can uh, go for it. I'm going to recommend something that when it was first released, I had no interest in whatsoever. But I've since gone back and checked it out. I'm recommending The Flash. The Fastest Man Alive by Kenny Porter. It is a lead-up to the Flash feature film. The collection made up of three issues. It has Barry Allen from the DC Universe films teaming up with Batman to stop a brand new threat to Central City. So the first issue, you've got Batman, the Ben Affleck version, teaming up with Ezra Miller's Flash. And it's essentially a DC EU series because it had already been put in motion before DC Studios. But I've got to be honest, when it first came out, I wasn't too excited about a Flash movie with Ezra Miller and whatever was going on with the DC EU. So I just left it. But these recent trailers, I mean, I think like most people, I'm really <laughs> wanting to see this new Flash movie. So even though it was released a while ago in single issues, I've finally gone back, checked them out, and it is now being collected as a trade paperback. So it's a prequel to the new film. You see how Barry Allen gets his new Flash costume from the Ben Affleck Batman, whether that means anything anymore, whether it's going to be something to do with Keaton in the film, who knows? But if, like me, you are looking forward to this, new flash movie 
and you want to spend some more time in the DCEU slash DCU, check it out. The Flash, the fastest man alive. All right. Sounds sounds, sounds like a good read. All right. I can't believe I'm... um... I'm recommending this or admitting to have uh, to listen to this whole thing. I'm recommending a podcast. Yeah, you might know the the OC. Very good, um, very good show from my from my youth. <laughs> Sorry. No, nah, look, I used to watch it as well. I, I... No, nah, look, it was a great show, and it was a really pivotal moment in my teen years. Uh, that show, sort of, other, you know, it was. I wasn't a Dawson's Creek guy before my time. So like the OC just really, and it captured like pop culture and music and all that kind of stuff and the whole, all sorts. Um, this rewatch podcast hosted by um, Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark, two, two actors from the show, uh, main cast. So welcome to the OC Bitches is their podcast that they've been running <laughs> for the past two years, right? It's a good name. They've literally, they've just dropped the um the final episode which covers well i'm not sure if it's the final episode but it's the final episode that covers the finale episode so literally i'm now recommending it after a couple years of listening to these ladies talk heaps of guest stars from the show directors writers um editors all that kind of stuff other actors um it's really been cool to sort of revisit it and i haven't actually needed to rewatch the show because it's so familiar in my brain that when they're sort of recounting stuff i'm like man it's kind of uncomfortable how much i know uh, of things they're talking about but in terms of a, a rewatch this is the first rewatch podcast that I've sort of listened to in full um, and it's been a pretty delightful delightful look the worst parts of it is when they do delve into things about like fashion and hair and bits and pieces and I'm like hey can I skip that's probably the worst part of it but <laughs> them, for the most part yeah. they're talking pop culture you know production of a television show all that kind of juicy behind the scenes kind of stuff which is which is pretty nifty and and awesome and obviously if you're familiar with the show like there was a lot of that pop culture music um you, you know like those kind, kinds of things and also capturing i guess like the you know like the mid 2000s that kind of era which obviously growing up being you know my high school years um, just an interesting sort of time capsule to sort of go back and sort of see how television as well, network television has sort of changed since then to to what they do now. So pretty interesting watch. Obviously, I would say for the for like OC fans, I wouldn't recommend it for just the average Joe out there. But yeah, if you're into the show and you're keen to listen to these ladies sort of just talk and uh, just go into all sorts of different tangents and stuff and just have a good laugh. It's, it's, it's pretty fun and lots of good guest stars. So again, pretty sad to sort of see it come to an end, but I've completed it at least I think, unless they do another one next week, but for a talk about, I don't know what, um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a good little thing. So welcome to the OC bitches. Pretty sure it's your first podcast recommend. I did one last Could time. be, could be. Uncanny, I'd recommended a couple of podcasts um, previously. The OC, I've got a strong connection to this to this series. Like, so you were in high school. I was in college in the early 2000s, and I remember doing bar work on the weekends and then working late, early hours, Saturday night, early hours, Sunday morning, and then mid-morning on a Sunday in the UK. They do like an omnibus of the OC where they'd have like episodes back to back. And I kind of like just wake up after like long shifts over the weekend and just watch hours of the OC, like 
I'd probably miss some episodes here, there, and everywhere. But yeah, no, I used to watch the OC and really. Man, do you it, what? I feel like we've we've never talked about the OC before. Like we I haven't. didn't know that we. I didn't know you had this. <laughs> I thought this was just my secret shame. Which no, no, no. I, I also I died shame. <laughs> I share, but yeah, no. I mean, the OC, yeah, all, yeah, Phantom Planet, <laughs> the song, all okay, of it. Now, now I can call you my friend. <laughs> oh, there you go. I finally, you're in. Finally qualified. You're in. That's all it took. All finally right, qualified. And what's this? Episode four hundred and nineteen. Excellent. That's you know. No time like the present. That's it for another episode of That Film Stew. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and stay tuned for our upcoming review, or should I say reviews of Fast X. We're also going to be doing Air... Still haven't decided what order we're doing them in, but one of those. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in for another round of movie and TV news. You've been listening to Jason. You've been listening to Luke. We're the guys from that film, Stu. We'll see you soon. <laughs>